You're listening to Travel Brigade, your weekly travel and destination show. Here are your hosts, Kathleen Curry and Jeff Griffin. Welcome to Travel Brigade, your weekly travel and destination show. This is Kathleen Curry here with Jeff Griffin, and we are in the first time ever in the city of Milwaukee. Actually, Wisconsin for me. Me as well, and we're here at the beautiful Plaza Hotel, sitting out on the patio on a beautiful Sunday morning. We're about to try some spetzel. And lemon pancakes and brioche French toast. It could go on and on again. Delicious stuff, and it's actually really kind of cute. This is a little eclectic hotel, sort of right in the midst of downtown, but you kind of walk in the lobby, and you've got this little oasis in the middle of courtyard. And apparently, from what we hear, which you'll hear a little bit more about when we interview the chef, people wait hours to come out here on the weekends. I don't blame them. We've got a lot of stuff we've been doing here in Milwaukee. We're going to start with an interview with this Fister Hotel, another famous hotel here in Milwaukee. And then we're going to walk over to the Art Museum, which is a stunning, stunning building sitting right on the lake here. Yeah, we also checked out one of the hottest attractions in town, which is the Harley-Davidson Museum. I have never seen, and I don't just mean inside the museum, I have never seen so many Harley-Davidson, Harley-Davidson writers in my entire life. It was pretty amazing. The culture just, like, you go into this little mecca corner and it's like, you know, you're a Harley dude. Yeah, it's one of those museums where the people watching is as much fun as seeing what's in the museum. A whole lifestyle built around around a product. We've also got, as we mentioned before, we're going to be speaking with the chef here at the Plaza Hotel. So we've got a lot to get to. Before we do, coming up, we're going to talk about hot topics in travel. We're going to get on the bus. That's right. We also did a lot of other really great things here in the city. We did some kid-friendly things. We did a place called Discovery World. One of our mini-me's could have pretty much moved in Discovery World. Then we also went to the Brewers game last night, which was a great, great game because they were playing the Cubs. So it was a good rivalry game. We have that and a bunch of other things on today's show. Before we get to all of that, we've first got to do hot topics and travel. We're going to get on the bus. Get on the bus. I don't know what that means, but I don't normally like the bus. So <laughs> I'm more of a taxi girl. But anyway, we'll have that and a bunch more coming up on today's show here in Milwaukee. We will be right back. What's hot? What's not? What's trending? Next up, this week's picks for travel news and hot topics in travel. Welcome back to Travel Brigade, your weekly travel and destination show. This is Kathleen Curry and Jeff Griffin here in Milwaukee. We're here at the Plaza Hotel at the Cafe at the Plaza. Gluttony. We've tried like five different things on the menu. Jeff can't really talk right now because his mouth is full, not just of food, but of this marvelous Bloody Mary that he's downing right now. You can order a Bloody Mary here at 8 a.m. And not only that, they bring you a beer chaser on the side. Which Jeff needs to get through every one of his days. <laughs> it's really interesting, the garnish. We talked to the chef a little bit about the Bloody Mary culture here in Milwaukee, which is really quite funny. When, when we walked into the street, there was a uh, street called Bloody Mary, Bloody Mary Drive and Sunday Brunch. And we we're like, hey, this is the town for us. And from what we found out that you can literally do a Bloody Mary itinerary while you're here, going around to different places, places that have many sliders on top of their Bloody Marys, and one that has a literal vat that is so big that it has a fried chicken on top. 
and it's made for four people. Yeah, whatever you can think of, they've tried it on top of a Bloody Mary. So before we get to the rest of our show, we have hot topics. Yeah, I thought this one was interesting. It's a new app and website called Wanderoo, W-A-N-D-E-R-U. Now, we all know about all sorts of places where you can book flights or find flights on the web and with apps. This is aimed more at younger travelers, and it focuses on buses and trains. The way I generally don't like to travel, but no, actually, I do like trains. I do I do like trains. Well, I think if you're a younger traveler and you're just doing getaways to a nearby place or something, buses, or you're just going to visit friends, whatever. No, that actually makes sense. We're on a kind of big mega tour out here. We're actually hooking up with somebody, and we looked at flights to a city that was about a couple of hours away, and we looked at flights, which were around 250, and he could take a commuter bus, and I don't mean a Greyhound, but like a mega bus or something like that, for like $15. Yeah, and what's interesting about this is, you know, there, there are a lot of websites out there. There are a lot of startups. Everybody's trying to f- figure out their own niche into the travel industry. What's interesting about this is they've got Richard Branson on board, and he's been pretty successful in the past with his travel ventures. Yeah, I'd say. No, that's a great website to check it out. We have a lot on today's show. We have packed so much into Milwaukee while we're here. Of course, Milwaukee's known for lots of things, breweries, baseball. We're going to get into things about art and all sorts of other things, but our first interview up is the lovely concierge, Peter, at the Fister Hotel. He is so knowledgeable. He, We probably could have done an entire show with Peter, like just about the history of Milwaukee, the history of the hotel there, and just, you know, the art museums and so many so many great things. So we're going to talk a little bit about the hotel and also off the beaten path things that he sends patrons to go and do. Right after that, we've got an interview with the Milwaukee Art Museum, which I think you're really going to enjoy. It's a really beautiful building right out on the lake. That and a lot more on today's show. This is Travel Brigade. We will have information on all of these things that we're doing here in Milwaukee on our hot sheet for today's show. We will be right back. You're listening to Travel Brigade with Kathleen Curry and Jeff Griffin. You can follow them on Twitter, like them on Facebook, and check out their website at TravelBrigade.com. Welcome back to Travel Brigade, your weekly travel and destination show. This is Kathleen Curry. I am here at the beautiful Fister Hotel. It is actually really elegant. I walked inside, beautiful ceilings, beautiful artwork on the walls, chandeliers. It's absolutely beautiful. Everyone told me it was one of the centerpieces in town. And I actually am here with the concierge, Peter Mortensen, who's going to tell me a little bit about the hotel itself. Oh, dear. Now, I'm always I'm always full of things to say until somebody asks me something. But seriously, when you mentioned the beauty of the hotel. It really, really is a spectacular place. It is the kind of environment that when you are there, you're not only in a physical place, but you're also in, if we could say, a, an emotional place or a another world. If you visualize a grand hotel, some part of it is going to look like the Fister because this was really the high watermark of the Grand Hotel in 1893 when it opened. This was, uh, at its time, the most technologically sophisticated hotel in the world. Um, it was one of the, the first fully electrified, purpose-built, all-electric hotels in the world. A number of places had been retrofitted for electricity but still had gas. This hotel never had gas fixtures. They, they were betting on the future, and for them, that was electricity. So it was all-electric from the very beginning with its own power plant. Um, it was the very first place to have separate heating controls, separate thermostats in individual guest rooms. This was a brand new technology which was possible to do 
Jew at the Pfister because the man who had invented the thermostat was a neighbor named Professor Warren Johnson who had his laboratory just down the street from the hotel. So this was the lab for developing that technology, something we take for granted now started here at the Pfister. Speaking of a grand hotel, I mean, this you can just feel the history here in the hotel. Tell us about maybe some of the famous you know meetings, guests that you've had over the years. I'm going to kind of like, like double back a little bit because so often when you hear the word grand hotel, mentally you append European to it. You know, the European grand hotel. And I always take enormous pride in telling people that no, the grand hotel is an American invention. It is something that the Europeans copied because they saw that we were on to a good thing. But it was really a signpost of a different kind of society, of, of democracy in Europe. If you wanted to stay at a place like this, if you wanted to stay uh, at the beginning of the 19th century, if you said, oh, I'm going to stay at such and such hotel in Paris, you were talking about someone's private home and you had been invited there. And chances are your blood was as blue or bluer than theirs. But other than that, you didn't get access for most people by and large. If you came to town and it was market day, you'd end up sleeping uh, in a big bed at the inn with half a dozen people that you'd never met before. This was a new country and this was, we were going to do things differently here. So the same people who built those great homes in Europe emigrated here and said, hey, we know a thing or two about building palaces. The difference is that when we build them here in America, we're going to be able to go into them and not just to clean the bathroom or to take out the garbage. We're going to be able to go into them and enjoy all of those things that we have labored for other people for because this is a new society. And that sense of participating in the what was then called the, the democratic experiment or the American experiment um, is manifest in these places. The early Grand Hotels, and the Pfister is, is a great example of this, were in many ways influenced and, and designed on the same principles as the great homes. When you come into the lobby of this hotel, it's not a waiting room. You know, you go into a lot of hotels and you sort of feel like at some point somebody will stick their head out through the door and say, the doctor will see you now. This lobby is a grand salon. This is where you want to be. This is the great living room of downtown Milwaukee. And that is built into the architecture, into the DNA of the hotel. If you, if you come into the lobby, the things that you notice are this wonderful waterfall of a staircase in one corner, counterbalanced with a, a beautiful carved terracotta fireplace in the other. They balance each other. They're, they're sort of two polarities of socializing. The front desk, the business aspect, is discreetly off to the side, with the idea being, I'm having such a great time here, I'm not going to go home. Oh, they've even provided for me to be able to stay here. But it is that sense of domestic scale and the the idea of, of this being a machine for socializing that you can't escape in coming into this space. So, I mean, this is my first time here in Milwaukee and being here and just, you know, seeing the city get, I, I love cities in general, just I'm kind of a city person, but just to have a different city and get the feel, you know, going around, we're going around the neighborhoods, doing different things. We're going to end up at the Brewers game tonight. Tell us a little bit about a person who comes here for the first time, what are some of the top attractions, places that you would send guests and on their first time here in Milwaukee? First of all, I would tell them that the good news is that they are at Milwaukee's preferred address. This is, you know, if it was good enough for Sarah Bernhardt and Enrico Caruso and President McKinley, I say it's good enough for anybody. Um, and those were some of our guests. So staying in the hotel, you can 
can have a complete urban experience. We have the largest collection of salon and genre painting in any hotel in the world. So it's like living in a museum while you're here. But eventually, obviously, everybody, you know, kind of wants to get out and wander around. And Milwaukee is a fabulous, fabulous walkers and bicyclers city. This is a place that retains its sense of place. You can literally walk down the streets. And if you know a thing or two about architecture, you can look around you and say, I know when people started living here. So there is that sense of place and permanence that embraces you here in the city. Beyond that, there are so many attractions, beginning with what is probably the most beautiful stretch of public water frontage in the heart of any city in America. Um, Milwaukee's lakefront is absolutely a jaw-dropper. And if you haven't, if you've never seen up close and personal a lake that imitates the ocean, then you have a great surprise waiting for you when you visit Milwaukee. Because when you go down there, um, you would swear that uh, if you don't look over your left shoulder, I tell people, it's like you're out on the Cape. Beyond that, Milwaukee is like all great cities, perfect for tourists. Because like all great cities, you can create the city in your own image. Frequently when people will come to me and they'll say, what, what is the thing I must do when I'm in Milwaukee? And I tell them, it's not an exam. Tell me what you like and I'll put you in the right place for that. We have a wealth of museums. Um, obviously uh, the, the new wing of our art museum has gotten an, an enormous amount of press um, designed by Santiago Calatrava. But we have a number of art museums. There is one that is dedicated to images of working and uh, labor with uh, paintings and sculptures that from the Renaissance up through contemporary work. We have great house museums, beautiful house museums. There's one that's called the Charles Alice Museum up on the east side of the city. Charles and Sarah Alice, when they engaged the architect to build their new home in the city in the beginning of the 20th century, told him, we want you to build us a small museum we can live in because when we die, everything goes to the city. And he built them this wonderful Jacobean revival home that they then filled with an art collection that is there to tour. And it is, without offending people from Boston, because I love Boston, but I tell people who have been to the Isabella Stewart Gardner Museum that the Charles Alice is what she would have done if she had a little less money and a lot more taste. It is, it, it's, it's magnificent in the sense that the art is part of the home. It, the art is a companion as opposed to a trophy. That's a really unique space. There's a wonderful little Loving Hands at Home Museum called the Museum of Yesteryear, uh, off the beaten path, but is just a great sort of celebration of what ordinary life was like between the two world wars. There's obviously, you mentioned the ball game. We have major league sports here. Um, we also have a great hockey team, indoor soccer, and a lot of really great collegiate athletics in this area. Beyond that, we've got a very, very rich arts scene. Milwaukee has one of the top uh, symphonies, one of the oldest regional ballet companies in America, as well as the Milwaukee Repertory Theater, which is essentially one of the, one of the touchstone theaters in the country. But beyond that, all of these seed other enterprises. And so the availability of exciting and interesting and different, divergent work is, is I mean, it's a constant source of amazement to me 
appreciate the things that bubble up to the surface when I prepare the list of things to see and do over the weekend. The the, the comedy festival um, begins next week and runs for six days and stand-up uh, and improv groups come in from all over the country and Canada to participate in this festival. As you can see, there's so many things to do. We're still going throughout our day, hitting the Harley-Davidson Museum. We're going to be hitting Discovery World. We're going to the Brewers game, like I mentioned, as well as the Art Museum. There's so much to do here. We're just discovering it one block at a time. Thank you so much for spending time with us on the show today, and we will have information on the hotel as well as some of the other links of the activities we're doing today on our hot links for today's show and we will be right back not sure where to go what to do and where to sleep up next hot hotels unique activities and top attractions in our destination city check it out welcome back to travel brigade this is jeff griffin i am here at the milwaukee art museum as we were coming in today it was kind of a hairy day walked into this beautiful museum right on the lake and came into this beautiful high sort of cathedral ceiling with all these windows and it immediately changed my view of the world i'm here with emily sullivan she's the director of youth and family programs at the milwaukee art museum and it must be a real treat to just walk in here every day to this beautiful structure right on the lake. Definitely it is. Uh, you know, not only are we uh, surrounded by works of art, we also have the beautiful landscape around us and a wonderful view of Lake Michigan. Now, you guys have come up with something here in your youth and family programs that when I first saw I like popped myself on the forehead and said, why didn't I think of that? Tell us about these packs that families can get when they come here to your museum. Absolutely. So we always have things for families to do at Milwaukee Art Museum, and one of our features are the art packs. Uh, You can stop at our art pack station and pick up a pack of materials to use in front of a work of art with your family. So these really vary. You can work in front of a Chihuly glass sculpture um, with a light box and colorful gels. You can view our giant Lieberman sculpture out the window and construct your own sculpture on a grassy landscape. You can free draw with one of our sketch packs and more. Yeah, there's not just one. I I would have been impressed if you had just thrown some papers and pens into one pack, but there's several different packs you can choose from. That really, I can remember dragging my kids to museums when they were younger, just more for me than for them. This really makes it a kid-centered activity. Definitely, and we really want to serve the whole family and help the family understand works of art in the collection, uh, appreciate them more. And so these art packs focus on seeing and also helping families um, get started with conversations about art. Now, besides the art packs, kids have their own studio here. Tell us a little bit about that. Right now, uh, we have the Coles Art Generation studio open every day until reinstallation. So while families are here, uh, they can stop in the Coles Art Generation studio. This is a hands-on art-making space, which is open every day the museum is open. So we have a variety of art activities that families can try, inspired by the museum's collection and feature exhibitions. We have art educators in the space there to greet families and help them get started. And families can try a whole range of different art-making techniques, anything from painting and drawing to sculpture to printmaking. Yeah, I'm, I'm worried my kids would be better at drawing than me, so I might just sit back and let them draw. But tell us a little bit about what the permanent collection has here, some of the highlights. 
Milwaukee Art Museum has a wonderful permanent collection. Uh, some of our highlights are mid-century painting and sculpture, American decorative arts, Renaissance clocks, German expressionist prints, folk and self-taught art collection, and Haitian art. Tell us about for families that do want to come. Are there any special events that you hold throughout the year? Yes. Yeah, so in addition to the drop-in family of opportunities that we offer every day, we also have Coles Art Generation Family Sundays. These are giant events that happen five times a year, and we turn the whole museum into an art studio. So families can come in and learn more about a feature exhibition or some aspect of the collection through lots of hands-on art activities, performances, tours. Um, meeting local artists, and more. So if people want to learn more about the Milwaukee Art Museum before they come, where should they go? Go to mam.org, and we also have a family e-news that you can sign up for. mam.org, it doesn't get much easier than that. However, we will have all the contact information on our hot sheet for today's show at travelbrigade.com. Stay tuned, you're listening to Travel Brigade, your weekly travel and destination show. We will be right back. or comments for the Travel Brigade? Tweet them at Travel Brigade. Welcome back to Travel Brigade, your weekly travel and destination show. This is Kathleen Curry and Jeff Griffin. We are here at the Plaza Hotel. We have just been finishing up a lovely, lovely brunch on Sunday. It's been delicious. And we were there just talking about the art museum here in town. Beautiful building right on the lake. And then all you have to do is walk right next door. Just walk along the lake there for, I don't know, a couple hundred yards. And you're at Discovery World. Discovery World was a really fun place to go. We went with the Mini-Me's yesterday. And one of the funny things that they have is an exhibit on grossology, and honestly, that's kind of pretty much our daily life living with our mini-me's. <laughs> but they had a lot of fun. There's an aquarium there. There's flight simulators there. Uh, there were a couple simulators there, like a bobcat simulator, and the kids were just going around. There's a Coles do-it-yourself center, and we did some projects there. Very, very hands-on. People are renting boats out on the lake, and then you've got the art museum and this Discovery World right next to each other. And it's really interesting. The aquarium, of course, is tied into the lake, so the natural habitat to the lake, so it's very interesting. And uh, our mini-me's were definitely going, oh, this aquarium's different than another aquarium. The two very standout, very cool architectural things in the aquarium is one that you walk over several things. You know, there's lots of aquariums that have the glass domes where you walk through a tube and there's acrylic around you and you walk through. They also have it on the floor, so you're walking through it on the floor and it looks like, you know, you're walking on water. And then also in the elevator, there's acrylic on the back, so you can actually look like you're in the water. So, so there's pretty cool things while you're there. The whole day, it looks like there's just family-friendly things going on all all over the lake while you're out there. What Milwaukee is also known for is one of those products that there are a few products that are uniquely American that you associate with America, such as Fender guitars, Levi's, and apple pie. Apple pie. And Chevrolet. And here in Milwaukee, Harley Davidson. Harley Davidson, that's true. They have a Harley Davidson museum, which is really amazing. You literally turn a corner on the street and you see the Harley sign, but it's not till you get in the parking lot that you realize 
just, we have hit Harley world here. Yeah, there's a lot of Harley enthusiasts ride their bikes there, and they're all parked along outside the museum. It's worth going just to see that and just to uh, pick up on the vibe of the biker culture. And you do have to watch your body space. I mean, these these motorcycles are worth a lot of money, and they're parked <laughs> everywhere. We were, like, going around telling the minimis, do not touch that bike. Do not touch that bike. But and, and these are just the bikes before we get in the museum. Right, and then once you get in there, you see everything from, you know, some of the first bikes they ever came up with all the way through their history over 100 years. Yeah, it's absolutely amazing. And of course, they have a great a restaurant right there called the Motor Bar as well. And that's a really fun place to go to. So up next, we have an interview there with the Harley-Davidson Museum. Stay tuned. You're listening to Travel Brigade, your weekly travel and destination show. We will be right back. You're listening to Travel Brigade with Kathleen Curry and Jeff Griffin. You can follow them on Twitter, like them on Facebook, and check out their website at TravelBrigade.com. Welcome back to Travel Brigade, your weekly travel and destination show. This is Kathleen Curry and Jeff Griffin. We have been doing a wonderful day here in Milwaukee, having a wonderful time. And there was one thing on the itinerary that just sort of surprised me. And we had such a blast. Not that it surprised me we had a blast, but just as much as I had no idea it was here. I had no idea the experience we were getting into. But what an eventful day. There are certain products that are uniquely American that you hear about them and you think that represents I'm America. American. Yeah. yeah. When you're riding one of these, you're American. Things that pop, the first three that pop into my head are like Levi's, Gibson guitars, and Harley Davidson motorcycles headquartered where? Milwaukee. Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. And they have a museum and a tour, also restaurants we're going to talk about, but you can kind of make a full day of it. We're also going to talk about, it's not only a great tour inside, but a fun tour outside yes. when you see hundreds of people pull up and park their Harleys there. Their personal Harleys, their yes. Their personal Harleys there. Here to tell us more about it is Jim Fricky. He's the curatorial director for the museum. Jim, what is it about Harley that it's just one of those iconic brands? What is it that's made it stick around for so long and become such an icon? Well, I think there's something uh, about a motorcycle that for a lot of people calls to mind images of the American West and, <laughs> you know, sort of the rebellious American spirit and all of those things. But honestly, I think a big part of it for Harley Davidson is that we, we have been around for so long and that it, you know, there's my boss uh, here at the museum is named Bill Davidson, who's the great grandson of one of the founders and, okay. his, and his sister Karen is the creative director of our motor club. And so, you know, it's a long-lived company that, you know, is making a product that, that feels kind of uniquely American. And it's still a family company and it's still a company that manufactures, you know, its products here in the U.S. And so I think all of those things kind of combine to make the company feel like, you know, it, it represents some of the best of America. And I also think, too, you know, maybe the images are flowing in people's head of people that, you know, you have to be a person who drives a motorcycle to enjoy where you're there day at the museum. And I will tell you, I, I've done some backyard tours on motorcycles at grandma's house, but I'm not a motorcycle writer. And it's absolutely amazing. Uh, tell us a little bit about the museum in general, kind of what patrons can expect. But tell us a little bit about what to expect right when they pull in the parking lot. I think that was the thing that we found fascinating. Well, you know, we are blessed here with a pretty incredible campus, you know, which isn't really to overstate it. The museum is on a little over 20 acres, really, you know, basically right downtown, but in traditionally had been the kind of industrial area of Milwaukee that has been undergoing a lot of, uh, you know, renovation. And so we were able to take over this large site that was, you know, kind of a polluted brownfield and, and, and turn it into a incredible kind of park-like setting. And 
it. So the museum and the grounds are are a fantastic place, you know, even if they're not full of motorcycles, just for people <laughs> to come and kind of have a picnic and we're surrounded on three sides by water. But part of the advantage of, you know, this the combination of the museum being kind of a mecca for motorcyclists, not just Harley Davidson riders. We get people from all over the world riding all sorts of motorcycles. But it's in that setting, you know, we've got a great uh, vast spaces for motorcycle parking and on any given day I mean even in the winter you'll see <laughs> see people on motorcycles but in the summer you know we'll have anywhere from you know 100 to 2,000 motorcycles on on site and it's you know it become kind of finally as the museums becoming better known even regionally you know people are coming down just for that experience we do bike nights on Thursday evenings and you know people the motorcyclists who ride who ride here you know obviously are coming to have a, a great time but people from the region are beginning to come down just to kind of wander around and soak up the atmosphere. We tricked so our be- kids into thinking that the motorcycles on the outside were part of the museum because we didn't want them touching them. We were like, no, no, don't touch that. That'll be your allowance for the next 20 years. <laughs> I think, I think Although the- I have to say, you know, we do we do events throughout the summer and we, uh, the second week of July, we do something with that people ride all their, you know, antique motorcycles in. And I was with a friend who had two very rambunctious, like four-year-olds <laughs> who, who wanted to climb all over the bike and there were people who saw this and and invited them to go ahead and you know climb around on their bike and they just enjoyed seeing a young person enjoying their you know their and well, you got to train them Harley right? or they, never, or they never learned the passion so <laughs> well, I, think, I think that is one thing you see with when you see people pull up in their bikes you see the passion they have that it's a big part of their life and that you also see that there's just such a wide variety of people out there doing motorcycling well, and I think, you know, when I came in 2004, the museum opened in 2008, we had as our goal to create a, a museum that would have, you know, a, a general attraction. And we've, you know, we've achieved that. People are often surprised to learn that only about, you know, year on year, about 20% of our visitors are Harley owners. So 80% of the people coming in are just coming in because they're in Milwaukee. They understand that this is, you know, a fantastic brand that, you know, is known globally and and headquartered here, or you know, they they've heard the stories. What for whatever reason, we do have uh, year-round about 11% of our visitors are international, and many of those people actually are making a purposeful trip to Milwaukee from Italy or Australia or Korea, South Korea, you know, just just to come to the museum. And the stories, you know, of the Harley Davidson Motor Company and sort of motorcycling in American culture and popular culture, they're fascinating stories, ranging from you know how just four young guys at a time when there was a great excitement about invention in a shed behind the family home, you know, built a motorcycle and with no dream that, you know, we would be here celebrating them hundred and almost 115 years later. But, you know, the, the story of how they started the company and, you know, managed to work through depressions and world wars and all sorts of ups and downs. It's a great American success story. And, and it's something that I think a lot of people, not only here in the U.S., but you know, a lot of our international visitors, that's why they're coming. This is something that feels kind of indelibly connected to everything that they think is good about, you know, America. And uh, we're lucky, I'm lucky, you know, as a museum professional to have been given not only such an incredible story, but such an amazing collection. You know, the the founders began saving motorcycles right off the assembly line in 1915. And there's there's no other collection like this. Yeah, I want to say, uh, you know, you mentioned that uh, about 80% of people are not 
Harley owners and probably a large percentage of people fall into my category, which is knows nothing about engines as Kathleen can uh, sadly attest. But wishes he was. I mean, he does have these fantasies. Like he said to me, hey, do you want to ride across the country in a motorcycle? So the fantasy is there. The reality may may not be there, but the fantasy is definitely there. But I wanted to point out, you don't have to be a gearhead to enjoy this. I mean, yeah, if you are a gearhead, like you just said, they've got every model ever made and, and you can see the changes in the engines and, and everything. And plenty of interactive things. But, the kids were sitting on some of the motorcycles yeah. and learning things about the engines. And but there's also a lot about motorcycles in popular culture throughout the last century that I thought was really interesting. And then afterwards, you know, we were able to just walk right across the plaza there and you've got a couple of restaurant options there. Yeah, you know, we, we really wanted to build this space, you know, again, you know, because we had base to do it, to build a real destination. And, you know, as part of that, we built, you know, a destination restaurant. We're extremely proud of that and a great bar. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and No, the, you know, motor, and partic- the motor bar and restaurant, we definitely got the bar part as well. Uh- <laughs> I think we did a good, I'm proud of the fact that, you know, we built something that it feels sort of appropriate for kind of a motorcycle museum, but it's not overtly, you know, kind of in your face. It's just a really nice restaurant and, and a really And you really need bar. to work on the portions there. I think they're just too small. Um. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, uh, I moved out here from the West Coast and the, the Midwestern portions are, yeah, are pretty... Yeah, that's a good way to phrase it. And I definitely had some Wisconsin cheese while I was there, which I have to say, you can tell the difference. It's really yeah. Well, and, you know, I I had not had the pleasure of uh, the fried cheese curd until I sampled them at our restaurant here. And uh, (laughs) And I think we had a motor pot pie. We we made everyone try something different. So we were able to to kind of get a selection. But like I said, it wasn't for a lack of things on our plate because that Midwestern portion will get you. And then, of course, you know, next door to that, you've got the flagship store, which there's plenty of, you know, clothing merchandise and things that you can buy there, Harley stuff. That was fun doing a little shopping there as well. Both of those are really the shop and the restaurant are integral to, you know, sort of the business. And that's, it all kind of combines to make the place a really great destination. And, you know, like I said, in the summer right now, we've got great sort of outdoor dining and all sorts of things. But we have visitors that come, you know, throughout the year. And it's really fun for me. You know, of course, there are fewer people in the building often on a Monday in January than on a Monday in August. But it's great (laughs) also to kind of wander through and, you know, I'm walking through one floor of the museum and hear five different languages being spoken. And as you said, kind of the people watching is a big part of it. And I think also I really enjoyed just the wide variety of people that come to the museum. It's really great to see some of these sort of grizzled Harley owners group members just giggling, watching the Boy (laughs) Scout troop that's here to get their merit badge in engineering, you know, and kind of the mixing of, you know, international and domestic customers in all ages. And we have the buses that come in from the retirement home and it's, you know, it really is something something that appeals across generations. Well, speaking of which, tell people, our audience, we're just wrapping up here, where people can contact you at at the Harley-Davidson Museum, where they can purchase tickets and information about the restaurant and the shop. Where can they find all that information? The easiest way is through the web. You know, our website is www.hdmuseum.com, which is H-D museum, kind of one word. All of the opening hours and information on, you know, all of the events and everything can be found uh, on our website. Perfect. We will put that on our hot sheet for today's show as well. You can check that out at travelbrigade.com. Thank you so much for spending time with us. It's my pleasure. I'm so glad you were able to come. You're listening to Travel Brigade, your weekly travel and destination show. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Travel Brigade. We will be right back. 
questions or comments for the Travel Brigade, tweet them at Travel Brigade. Welcome back to Travel Brigade, your weekly travel and destination show. This is Kathleen Curry here and Jeff Griffin here in Milwaukee, running around, having a wonderful time here. Uh, We've had so much fun. As a matter of fact, one of the things we did last night was go to the Brewers game, and they were playing the Cubs. It was great. Beautiful stadium. It marks, actually, it was sort of a milestone for me. I've been to now half of the Major League stadiums. This was number 15. Half. But we got a long way to go. Got a long way to go. But it's a beautiful stadium. It's got a retractable roof. Very modern. A lot of fun traditions. Miller Park, is that correct? Miller Park. A lot of fun traditions of their own. Bernie the Brewer, which some baseball fans might know about, going down the slide. They've got, during the seventh inning stretch, they sing the Take Me Out to the Ball Game song, but then they sing Roll Out the Barrel. Yes, Roll Out the Barrel. They're known for having great sausages, you know, sausages all over the park and some other great delicacies there. We had some amazing seats, so thank you to the Brewers. We had a really fun time there last night. Speaking of the Brewers, because this is the one question, the, the mini Matt is why are they called the Brewers? And one of the things that a lot of people, which we're going to get into, is there are a lot of breweries here in Milwaukee. That's what they're originally known for. They have brewery tours, a real strong culture here of beer tasting and breweries. And we went to Benelux. Yeah, Benelux is a really fun place that's got, I'm guessing, literally hundreds of beers. It's kind of based on the lowlands there in Europe, Belgium, Luxembourg, and a lot of that sort of beer tradition. Pretty much a novel full of beers. And Jeff was trying to decide what to have. It wasn't very hard when he started figuring out some of the beers that they had on tap, some beers that we never get anywhere else. And what's interesting too, they also have some gourmet sodas that they brew here, that they make root beer, uh, cream soda, some other really interesting things. So they also have some really kind of fun non-alcoholic you know, options as well that are, that are made here in town. That was a great place. And I noticed they do beer tasting there as well, where you literally can do beer tasting and try different beers from uh, different places. Also a great place for food. We had some really good food there, some fun novel recipes, and it sits in kind of a fun area. It's called the Third Ward in the downtown area, and it's a lot of revamped older buildings and different bars and clubs along one street there. A really walkable part of town. It's really kind of a fun little district there. Speaking of food, there's not enough here ever. There's always good food around. It's been interesting because you can definitely tell the influence. Of course, we've been joking around a lot about the Bloody Marys, but the influence of the Wisconsin cheese. I mean, we have had pretzels with Wisconsin cheese. We've had Wisconsin cheese, macaroni and cheese. I mean, when people say it's good, it is very good. In addition to the cheese, there's a lot of German influence in the food here. Yes, we had spetzel for breakfast this morning. Coming up, we're going to be talking with the chef who came up with that recipe and uh, even, even pounded that pork. That pork tenderloin this morning, yeah. A lot of great things here. So coming up, we've got an interview with the chef here at the Plaza. You're listening to Travel Brigade, your weekly travel and destination show. Again, we'll have all this information on our hot sheet for today's show. Make sure that you follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, and we will be right back. You're going to get a little hungry when you're traveling the globe. Whether it be fine dining, a regional specialty, or a small local street cart, you gotta eat. Next up, you gotta eat. Mmm, good. 
Welcome back to Travel Brigade. This is Kathleen Curry. I have sent Jeff off to the wonderful art museum because I wanted to take the stint where we sit at a cafe, drink coffee, and eat food and talk about food. I think I got the better deal. I mean, have fun with your Degas, but here I am eating the food here in Milwaukee. We are here at the Plaza Hotel. It's a cute little gym in a nice neighborhood, very eclectic hotel with a beautiful plaza, which from what I understand, people wait in line for a very long time to enjoy brunch out on the patio. We are fortunate here to have Chef Katie here from the hotel. It's going to tell us a little bit here about the cafe and a little bit about some food that you can expect when you come here to this area. Chef Katie, tell me a little bit about the cafe here, about the plaza, and why it's become such a popular little hidden gem here in the city. I think that the art deco design and atmosphere really keeps bringing people back. We have a completely vintage cafe, um, original counter from the 1950s, as well as our local and ever-changing menu. Um, I think that the um, growing population of foodies in Milwaukee really appreciate the creative and locally sourced and seasonal menu that we provide. Our atmosphere is casual, but, um, you know, We've got kind of an upscale feel in the dining room. Um, If somebody wants to have a conversation at the counter or linger on the patio, we've kind of got a space for everyone to feel comfortable and just hang out and eat good food and drink good coffee. We have great Bloody Marys and cocktails. Our menu is very simple. That's kind of my approach is um, I'm not really someone who makes pretentious food, I guess you could say. Um, I like to do all different types of cuisines from, you know, a German background to Latin to good old-fashioned American. Um, So we've got a good mixture of, you know, something for everybody on the menu. Now, you were telling us a little bit about the locally sourced foods. I'd like to talk a little bit about that and then maybe dovetail on some sort of local delicacies that people when they come to Milwaukee or Wisconsin that are kind of assured to get when they're here that maybe is a little unique. And also, I definitely want to touch on the Bloody Marys. I have not had one yet, but it's on my list and I've heard they're very unique in this town. Well, let's just start with Bloody Marys. It's kind of become more important, I feel like, to people to come to brunch on a Saturday or Sunday and get their Bloody Mary than it is maybe to go to dinner on a Friday, Saturday night and get a nice glass of wine. So people are really looking forward to that morning, um, whether it's a a hangover helper or just a a nice start to their day. Um, We have a nice homemade mix and uh, we use a local summer sausage from Clement's Sausage, you know, the racing sausages for the Milwaukee Brewers, and uh, a local cheese curd, which is something that I think Wisconsin is absolutely famous for. People from other states come and don't have any clue what a cheese curd is, so they're always pretty anxious to try them. And then a house-made uh, pickle garnish. A lot of other places around the city have fantastic Bloody Marys with, you know, an entire meal in the glass. Um, Sobelman's is one of those for sure. It's a burger restaurant, and um, they put a little slider burger in their, in their Bloody Mary, as well as there's one you can order that is, you know, meant for four people, and it's got an entire chicken that's battered and deep-fried in the Bloody Mary. So we get a little crazy with it around here, but I think people really like it. You know, I was going to say, when I first drove into town, I knew I was on the right street because I was literally on a street called Bloody Mary and Sunday brunch. (laughs) Absolutely. I mean, what more could you want? (laughs) You know, and then talking about the local cuisine, Wisconsin has, you know, for me personally, I couldn't ask for better foods to be at my fingertips. We have, you know, some of the best cheese and dairy in the whole country. We've got 
excellent, excellent uh, meat, charcuterie. I work with a local company. It's a, it's actually a restaurant called Braze, and they actually have an RSA as well, which is a restaurant-supported agriculture. So what they do is they work with the farmers directly to get the products in, and then they can distribute those to the chefs, whether it is proteins, cheeses, vegetables, fruits, everything, uh, maple syrup, things like that. So it's really, really a nice outlet for the chefs so that they don't have to take that extra time to, you know, go directly to the farmer. It's kind of takes out the legwork for us. For example, our pork spätzle dish, which is probably the most famous dish on my menu right now, is uh, I get my pork from Hometown Sausage, which is um, a local farm in the area. I brine it overnight. We pound it out. We bread it. We sear it on the flat top, and then we serve it over a house-made spätzle with caramelized onions and bacon, uh, mustard cream sauce, and two eggs. Sounds like a pretty heavy breakfast, and it is. Sounds delicious, actually. <laughs> I'm like, where's the food? We're like, what is it coming yet? <laughs> um, so that's probably one of our more famous or more popular dishes on the menu. Milwaukee has uh, an extensive German heritage, so I kind of thought, you know, why not bring that into Fist and Brunch? And I think that I think that people are looking for those those more um, comforting type home style items and foods. Now we're kind of getting back to been the local movement for you know the past five ten years now which is great but I think it's now coming back to people making really simple comforting home-cooked type meals um, as opposed to the more scientific gastronomic approach that has been with us in the past couple years so that's kind of the approach that we're taking um, with the cafe all of our recipes are are made from scratch our pancake batters our muffins our scones all of our sauces and soups and things like that so we just really take pride in you know, using great ingredients and, and making simple, delicious foods. Yeah, you can tell here there's so much movement here in the cafe, people sitting outside on the patio enjoying uh, this great food here. Tell us a little bit about maybe a couple other spots in town. You obviously have corner on the market for the brunch and uh, people uh, trying to get in here. Tell us a little bit maybe about, you know, your favorite little street cart, food truck, maybe fine dining, something like that. Give us a couple of choices else in the city. Well, um, I would have to say there are a couple places that I frequent. I'm not much for, you know, the fine dining, you know, on a daily basis, weekly basis. It's more of a, a special occasion. Most recently, I went to um, Morel, which is a fine dining restaurant, but it's got a really nice casual atmosphere. The chef there is just doing wonderful things. He's really inventive, but still sticking with that, you know, simple homemade cuisine that I really, really enjoy. Vanguard in Bayview is a restaurant that does all house-made sausages. And being that we're in Milwaukee, it's pretty much a given that we would have a restaurant dedicated to sausage. They are sous vide. They sous vide all of their sausages and then they finish them on the grill, which just creates an amazing, um, moist, juicy, you know, delicious, flavorful sausage. They've also got lots of poutines on the menu. Great atmosphere. They have old school wrestling on the TVs and uh, <laughs> lots of beer and cocktails. So that's a really, really great place that's fairly, uh, fairly new. Now we are going to the Brewers game tonight so and I heard there's sausages there to be eaten so what do you get at the Brewers game? You know what I'm kind of uh, old-fashioned I just go for the straight-up hot dog and you have to get the stadium sauce on the hot dog that is the ticket. I what is the stadium sauce? I don't know what's in it and I really don't care it is so good it's just like a, a sweet uh, savory you know vinegary sauce and it just goes so well on any of the sausages.
is there. So you gotta, you gotta get the stadium sauce. <laughs> All right. Well, we will have that. Thank you so much, Chef Katie, for spending time with us today. We are going to be eating our way through here at the cafe. Katie, of course, has to get back to make sure everything is perfect there in the kitchen. But thank you so much for spending time with us. We will have information on our hot sheet for today's show about the hotel and the cafe. We'll be right back. They don't always agree, but they always seem to have their reasons. Next up, Travel Brigade's countdown of their favorites from this week's show on He Said, She Said. Welcome back to Travel Brigade, your weekly travel and destination show. This is Kathleen Curry here with Jeff Griffin. (sighs) Milwaukee. Our first time here. And hopefully not our last. No, 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 not our last. But unfortunately, it is time for us to leave, so it's time to do He Said, She Said, where we come up with our three favorites for a destination. She Said goes first. My number three is going to be brunch at the cafe. I mean, just the atmosphere of, it does kind of feel like you're in the middle of this big city having this cafe in a little secret cove, and I love that part. So that's going to be my number three. And the food is amazing, of course, as well. Yeah, brunch at the plaza tough to beat. My number three is going to be Benelux. It was a fun place. It's in a fun area. There's a public market down there. Just a fun place to walk around. And of course, the beers on top were not bad either. Yeah, that goes without saying. My number two is going to be Discovery World. One, because just that whole lakefront area is really, really fun. A really great place with the kids. It kept everybody busy. We kind of had a hard time getting them out of there. So that was a, a really fun thing. My number two is also there on the lakefront area, the Art Museum. Gorgeous architecture, beautiful building, beautiful setting. Oh, and by the way, a very good art collection. Okay, my number one, people, you're going to love it. Ready? The way people say Milwaukee. It's kind of like a little twang. It's got like a little something to it, like Milwaukee, Milwaukee. I don't know how they say it. Or Wisconsin. It's got like a little flair to it, and I love it. It sounds very cute. It's not Eastern, not Western culture or accent. It's got its own little flair, and I like it. Wisconsin. Wisconsin cheddar. <laughs> no, the cheddar's bad. That's a little more Boston, but it's very cute. You can tell when people are locals around here from their accent. It's a little bit different. It's, it's a unique place, and that's part of what makes it great. My number one is the Brewers game. Miller Park is a great place. It's a very impressive facility. A lot of good, devoted fans there. And we did all this, people, in about 24 hours. So if you have even more time than we did, there's so many more things to do while you're here. But we managed to get quite a few in in a short period of time. We had an amazing time eating, amazing time playing around, amazing time going to the Brewers game, all that stuff that we can leave for you on our hot sheet for today's show. And we will be back next next week with another destination. This is Kathleen Curry and Jeff Griffin here with Travel Brigade, and we'll be back next week with another destination. Until then, please remember that there are two stages in life. You're either on a trip or you're planning your next trip. Whatever stage you're in, make sure you listen to us next week. See you next week, and enjoy the trip. You have been listening to Kathleen Curry and Jeff Griffin on Travel Brigade. Connect with them on Facebook, Twitter, and at TravelBrigade.com.